We have to right now raise consciousness so that when we have that power, people don't use it incorrectly. And I think the psychedelics, what they're doing is they're allowing you to go beyond your humanness, raise your empathy, and then you're part of that collective that if we get enough people raised, we could solve any problem we have as humans and we can also avoid what's absolutely coming in 2040. And so we gotta, we can't wait for 2040 to get this out. We got to do it now. I'm Zappy Zappelin and this is the Lifestylist Podcast. Welcome to episode 393, Ketamine Therapy and the Psychedelic Medicine Revolution with Zappy Zappelin. Zappy is a well-known futurist, entrepreneur, and award-winning filmmaker. Playboy magazine called Zappy the man who wants to change the world with psychedelics. And Zappy's often called on as a psychedelic concierge to help celebrities and business icons have a conscious transformation. His latest film, Lamar Odom, Reborn, follows the psychedelic intervention he facilitated for the basketball superstar using the breakthrough treatments of ketamine and ibogaine. You can find that film to be released shortly by visiting lamarodomreborn.com or simply clicking the link in the show notes of most podcast apps. Before we jump into this interview, I'd like to express some gratitude for today's sponsors. We've got advancedrejuvenation.us, organifi.com, activationproducts.com, and magbreakthrough.com. Here are just a few of the nuggets we explore in this illuminating chat. Zappi's serendipitous path that led him to creating Lamar Odom Reborn, the documentary I just mentioned, using psychedelics to initiate healing beyond the confines of earthly space and time, overcoming our jaded perspectives to see the incredible miracles in everyday life, bringing a Western approach to psychedelic medicine, Zappi's life-altering experience with a giant french fry, spending time with loved ones who have passed during psychedelic experiences, the true difference between plant-based and synthesized psychedelics, the reason nasally administered ketamine will never bring the awakening other delivery methods can, how we can all use frustrating occurrences as opportunities to regain presence, using methods and theories already proven by pharmaceuticals to revolutionize the psychedelic industry, and finally, the quickly approaching deadline for reaching a new level of collective consciousness and so much more. This is going to be a great episode, folks, and I'm so stoked that you tuned in. And rest assured, we've got another doozy coming for you next week featuring Dr. Chris Ryan, the author of Sex at Dawn and Civilized to Death, as we explore human domestication. You can find all of the show notes, links, and transcripts for this episode by visiting lukestory.com zappy. And it's worth mentioning before we start that this episode was recorded at Meet Delic in Las Vegas as Zappy and I sat amongst hundreds of psychedelic enthusiasts. So the sound could be a bit less than you're used to hearing on the Lifestylist podcast. We've done our best to clean it up and make it uh, enjoyable and audible for you. But uh, don't think that I didn't notice. There's a little background noise, but I think you'll uh, be able to gain a lot from this episode regardless of that fact. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into the fascinating vortex that is Zappy Zappelin. Enjoy the show. Zappy, here we are, dude. Wow, finally. I've so fun. Hearing I got to have a chat with you. Oh, from really? all kinds of people. And I was yes. like, well, 
I'm sure the universe is going to serve that up. And I walk in and probably the first person I saw today was you. So. Rad. Awesome. Yeah, it's funny. Some, I was aware of you because I saw your film and then you reminded me. I'm like, oh, I connected the dots. But what's really interesting is sometimes I have, when I come to an event like Meet Delic, you know, I have a list of people that I, I'm already very familiar with and I want to interview. And then oftentimes I just meet someone on the fly. And without even knowing anything about them, there's just uh, a presence mm -hmm. that appeals to me. And that's the case with you. I just, cool. yeah, I looked in your eyes. I was like, there's depth. Yeah, That's nice. all we need to work with <laughs> to have a great conversation. Yes. You know, so maybe we could start out with just like give a plug to your film, which was incredible. And, you know, kind of what maybe led you into wanting to document some of these experiences that people are having. I had a crisis in my own life where it was just like a spiritual midlife crisis and I started to think, what do I got to do? I already did everything society told me to do. And then I realized, wow, I've had some psychedelic experiences when I was younger that were very positive. Maybe I got to go sit with a shaman in the jungle and really like get to the bottom of this. And as I started to work that out for myself and I got like the confidence, like I'm going to do it. I was like, I might as well bring a camera and try to document this thing. And what happened was kind of, again, the universe putting things together. A friend of mine knew Michelle Rodriguez, the actress. And as, we, as I said, we were going to go down to Peru and sit with Shaman. He said, let's go to Michelle's house and tell her what we're doing. And I, we went and we talked and she like pulled her passport out of the drawer. And she's like, here, I'm in. And hands me her passport. I'm like, oh my God, this is happening. Like, I was like, that is it, you know? And so... I got the idea that I was going to go sit with a shaman and try to go inside myself with more intent than I had had earlier when I did psychedelics, just, you know, recreationally and having a good time as a youth. So that was really my first experience where I went into the jungle, sat with a shaman, and I kind of knew that if I could bring that footage back and share it with other people, it was going to be beneficial and probably even help myself even more than just if I went down there alone and sat individually with a shaman. And so as that, after that happened, I had this ayahuasca experience. I was just like, that's it. My life's totally changed. I got to dedicate myself to getting other people to have this experience. And so I just kept on, you know, I came back to the, you know, the States and started telling all my friends, you got to go sit with a shaman. And I realized that most of them couldn't do it because their families would like Baker Act them if they told them they were going to go to the jungle and just like check them into an institution. So I kept thinking, you know, how do I find a Western medicine approach? And I found ketamine about six years ago and I had the experience myself. And all of a sudden I was sitting in present moment awareness. Like I was back in the jungle with the shaman. And I was like, it came out of it. I was like, wow, like this is the Western society way that people are going to go inside their minds in a way that they can handle. And so, you know, that led me to, as I was showing my movie around the country, uh, somebody came up to me afterwards and said, Hey, I'm friends with Lamar Odom, the basketball player, Kardashian. I just saw your movie and I think the guy needs plant medicine. And so I started talking to him and he said, well, I've never had a psychedelic experience. I've always been told stay away from that, that you could go crazy. And so I said, look, you know, let's do some ketamine at a doctor's office. You're not going to go crazy. But for one time, you're going to go inside of yourself as opposed to trying to find it outside of yourself. And he agreed. And I asked him, can I film it? He was totally fine with it because he'd been conditioned by that whole 
keeping up with the Kardashians thing. He was just like, yeah, you want to film it? I was like, oh my God, like I wouldn't let me film my psychedelic experience, my <laughs> right. first one, but he was cool. And he went in and he had this experience where he felt like he went to heaven, came back and he was just like, wow, like this is incredible. I kept, you know, I worked with him a little bit more and I wound up, once I got a rep, uh, relationship with him, I said, come down to Mexico with me and let's do some Ibogaine. Because I think with your addiction profile, you need to really go as deep as you can. And he agreed. I got to film it. And we made it into a movie called Lamar Odom Reborn. We're talking to some networks now. But it, I think it's going to be kind of that crossover film where people see Lamar. And because they kind of feel like they know him, they see him go his arc of the character in the movie. You get to see him progressing. And they go, wow, I knew him. I know him. He's better. And so I just think like when people see this movie and see his progress and just see his shift, his energy shift, it's going to bring all these people to ketamine and to psychedelics as, you know, a, a potential different way to deal with what we're dealing with here. Wow. Yeah. So cool. When I went to Costa Rica the first time to do ayahuasca, I, I did kind of an immersive journalism thing. I did, I think, four interviews during the week. And then I you know, obviously didn't document anything when I was on medicine. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Pretty awkward yeah. for a number of reasons, mainly because other people around and I'm like so glad I didn't try and do that, you know, because it would have kind of interrupted the experience. But I've gone back and so I put out a bunch of podcasts about it, but I've gone back and listened to some of those things. And even, and this is not to, you know, self uh, patting myself on the back, but listening to some of the days in between kind of my trip reports, I'm like, oh my God, that changed the whole course of my life. So the next day I'd be, oh, last night I was, you know, really taking a deeper look at my childhood trauma and, you know, whatever the things were. And I didn't even realize what an impact it had on me until a couple years later. I go, oh man, I've totally recontextualized so many traumatic and painful experiences in my life as gifts, as benefits, as mm -hmm. things that I wouldn't change. And these were the things that led me into addiction and right. numbing out from, you know, 10 years old to 26, basically. It's, it's really an interesting way to go about these type of changes is actually documenting it along the way. Yeah, so kudos, kudos to, you know, doing that. And it was evident in your film that everyone was really being positively affected by the field that was being created, explored, celebrated, and documented. I think it's a really cool venture. Yeah. And also, as you said, to kind of, you know, we, we want to be weary, like taking these things mainstream, but also kind of destigmatizing them, right? For people mm. that classify all drugs in the same category. Right. And I know as a former addict, like there's a huge difference between something taken medicinally and something taken to try and numb the pain of your existence. Yeah, totally. You know? I, I feel like the difference between, and somebody said this, I think even in the reality truth is like, if something's made by man to treat your symptoms, it's drugs. If something tr actually heals something, that's medicine. And I think that really is the distinction. And we, we have to normalize, like you're saying, in society. What I love is like, the, what's really interesting right now is that the ketamine, people are coming in there for depression and anxiety. They're not coming to like, have enlightenment, you know, and become enlightened. So they come in, I'm depressed. Uh, and then they come out, they're just like, wow, like, oh my God, I'm not, I'm not suicidal. I, I got so much to live for. So this is so interesting, you know? And I think when you get in that present moment awareness state that you get in with these medicines where it's like no future, no past, 
just right now. And you can do so much work in there. Yeah. To me, that's like the whole benefit. And I think it's like a Trojan horse. It's like, yeah, come on in. Yo, you're depressed. Yeah, come on in. <laughs> right, then they right. sit down and they're like, oh my God, right. I'm a different human being. Check it out. If you're looking for the very best in orthopedic medicine, pain relief, injury healing, spine and back problems, stroke recovery, or even just taking your human performance and experience of health to the next level, I've got the ultimate solution for you. It's called Advanced Rejuvenation, founded by Dr. John Lawrence. He and his team in Sarasota, Florida are leaders in the most cutting-edge alternative and regenerative medicine available. These guys are true innovators in healing, offering an incredible array of treatments like ketamine therapy and methylene blue IVs with red light laser enhancement for unparalleled antiviral effects and mitochondrial upgrades. They're also pioneers in treatments like precision ultrasound-guided injections of stem cells, growth factors, and PRP, as well as prolotherapy, peptides, and TRT sound wave therapy. So if you've got stubborn back, spine, joint pain, or TMJ and jaw issues, this is the clinic you've been looking for. You can reach them at advancedrejuvenation.us to explore your treatment options and break through your mental, physical, and even emotional blocks with the best alternative medicine has to offer. Again, that's advancedrejuvenation.us. And to learn even more about the innovative technology Dr. John Laurent and his team employ, Go back and listen to John on episodes 367 and 380 for a comprehensive understanding of how the next wave of medicine can help you. You might think that they're depressed from the outward circumstances of their life, right? It's, you know, divorce or loss or change of career, unrealized dreams or goals. But as many of us have learned, I'm sure you share this too, that Oftentimes, things like anxiety and depression are just a symptom of some deep underlying wound, you know, a core wound or some trauma that's manifesting as kind of a mild PTSD in these other ways. And so, yeah, you want just symptomatic relief in that moment and you go in and you go, oh, <laughs> there's so much more there, yeah. you know. And, and something to your point, maybe you could speak to the ability that these experiences provide for us to work outside of space and time in that yes. quantum realm. I think that's something that's become very prevalent and obvious to me in you know, a three to 12 hour experience. I've worked out a lifetime of problems. Right. You know, it yes. might be like in an ayahuasca journey, for example, in linear time, although you never know what time it is because you don't care, but it might've been a five minute period of earth time in which one goes through and unravels five years of their childhood, yes. right? That, I think that's what's so powerful in these experiences. So what's your take on evading time and space and working in a realm that's outside of the, the confines of you know, this reality? Yeah, I, I think that's like the, this, what the whole thing's about for me. It's like, you know, when you are in that present moment awareness, and I talked about people who are suicidal coming to ketamine, it's like what happens is, you know, you're in that present moment awareness, but you're looking at it from a slightly different perspective. And then as you look at it, you're just like, oh, wow, that happened. But like, I'm me. That's just stuff that happened to me where before it was like, that was part of you. And I just see that like, you know, not only is time stop, but you know, like you said, in, in, there could be like this kernel that's in there. That's like the, the thing you needed is in that experience. And I had this, I described part of it in the reality of truth 
where I said that, you know, I had this experience where I asked this question about why do bad things happen? And I was like pulled out to the edge of the universe. And I was sitting there with like God, as God would look at the universe. And I was looking at it, it was so beautiful. And then the first time the ayahuasca voice spoke to me as a, as a voice and it said, do you see that? It's perfectly balanced. If, and I, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, you're right. If something happens over here, it's just going to be made up over there. I was like, it's perfect. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, like I had that realization. And then yeah. I don't talk about this in reality truth, but it really the moment that struck for me, changed my life was that voice that I'm going to interpret as God. I was there with God and, and God said, do you know how you're breathing right now? And I, I thought about it and I was like, no, I don't know how I'm breathing. And it said, you're growing your hair. Do you know how you're doing it? And I was like, no, I don't. And said, if you don't know how you're breathing, what makes you think I need your help? And I was like, wow, that's, you're right. Like, I can't get all upset because people aren't listening and they're fighting. It's like, I don't even know how I'm breathing. If I don't do that for two minutes, I die. And I have no idea. Like, I'm not, it was a total release. In that moment, yeah. it changed my life. I was just like, man, whatever. Um, it's a miracle. And I'm just going to live in that it's a miracle. And I think nowadays, my philosophy, if I had one, is that, we're living this incredible miracle. Everything about, not, you know, the sun's 93 million miles away, so we can have an atmosphere. I'm talking on a phone to somebody in China in real time. It's like, if you showed somebody 200 years ago that, they would think you were a wizard. You know, they'd be like, oh my God. But to us, we're so jaded. It's just like, whatever, it's my phone and life sucks, you know? But it's so miraculous. And these psychedelics, they connect you back to that miracle. And when you connect to it, you come out for days, months, years. You're just like, you're connected to that miracle and you appreciate it as that. And I think for me, that's, these are connections back to the actual how incredible and miraculous every second is here. There's so much in there. I love that you use the fact that we're not breathing, but we're being breathed, right? I remember working with, with guys in recovery and I, I never really had a problem with the idea of a higher power. Now, surrendering my whole existence to a higher power you know, mm. is one thing, but to consider that, okay, there's something bigger than me that's at play here. But many people come into recovery with, you know, just such a impermeable ego and intellect and just living in that survival fight or flight state for so long that the idea that, that there's a God or a supreme being or intelligence is, is a real stretch for them. And that was one of the analogies that, I don't know, maybe it just came to me one day was, you know, if somebody has a hard time surrendering their life to this, this power, you do that every night when you fall asleep. Right, I mean, like, who, right. who's breathing you? What, where does that life come from in, in the body that you are? Let's just say you weren't even a soul inhabiting a body or co-interacting with the body, but let's just say you actually are a body and when your body dies, you're dead. What's keeping you as even the body alive? Right. It's a really... It's so simplistic, it's almost easy to miss, but there's something happening there that we can't explain. Yes. And even just that is, I think, a, it's kind of a crack in the armor of the sort of um, analytical, closed-minded person who would lean toward atheism or agnosticism, right? Yes. It's like, okay, yeah, there's something there. And then taking it further even into nature, you know, when you look at a massive oak tree, it's like an acorn fell on the ground it rained, it got buried in some mud, and then 200 years later, you have that thing. Like, who did that? Right, <laughs> right, know? right. There's kind of a, there's a molecular or a DNA code somewhere that 
exists and then there's a force or an energy that activates it and we have this animation that we call life. I just think that's, it's so obvious mm -hmm. that it's almost easy to miss. Yeah, you know? I think that's what it is. It's the simplicity of, you know, it's so incredible that we take it as not that great, you know? And so I had this experience I talk about in the reality truth where when I was coming out of the, tr the trip, you know, and it was several hours later, what was incredible is that we were about 13 of us, including the shaman and his assistant. And as we come out, we'd all taken different amounts. We were different sizes, men and women and stuff. As we came out, it like the ayahuasca just like left the room, the frequency. And we all opened our eyes and we kind of all looked around at the same. And we were like, did you just come out? Like we all came out in the same moment. Really? Yeah. And we were like, I was like, oh my God. And I just, all of a sudden I started to laugh because I was like, oh my God, I just got the whole human cosmic joke, which is you got God with the white beard and Buddha and Muhammad and Jesus, all these men. And the voice I heard was a woman. And I was like, oh my God, like that changes everything. You know, I'm not overly, I'm not tied to a religion, but I, always, yeah. I believe there's something very miraculous going on. But to hear a woman's voice and to realize, wow, like, you know, every time now that I hear somebody say he, the father, it's like, no, your entire like human written book is based is based on the wrong thing. And it's like the base unit things hmm. are not right. And I think that's so tricky. You know, it's like meditation. They're like, it's so simple that it's hard. Yeah. And this yeah. concept of intelligence in the universe is so obvious that you want to say, well, maybe there's not. You know, maybe this is just, a, you know, there was nothing and then a disturbance and then everything came out of that. Now we have, you know, cell phones, and, you know, no, absolutely not. You know? It's interesting that you heard a female voice in my ayahuasca experiences. It's never male or female. It's always like when I'm communicating to spirit or to the medicine and those experiences, it's always a them. It's I always find myself going do you guys want to do this? Or what do you guys think about that? It's almost mm. like a council. Wow. Yeah, I don't see them or necessarily hear them, but it's it always reflects as a them. Mm. It's a group of, I don't know, souls or consciousness or whatever it might be. Wow. It's, it's really interesting. And it's almost like when the voices come and answer my inquiries, it's in my own voice, but it's coming from those guys. <laughs> right, know? right. It's those guys. The it's Supreme Council. Entities, yeah. yeah, it's these entities. And many people see the entities. I, I've not really. It's just, I just get the sense that I'm working with a team of wow. beings that are, you know, kind of co-creating these deep healing experiences with them. It's, it's just, I could talk about this shit. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm at this conference because I could give trip reports I'll probably say this tomorrow in my talk. I have one little tiny trip report. And I'm like, if everyone here gave their lifetime trip reports, it would be a six month right. conference. Because like, and even like we were talking about outside of space and time, you know, just a moment or a thought or just a realizing it's a they, I mean, you could ponder just that one little thread mm -hmm. and it could change your whole experience thereafter. Yeah. You know, I love the, like the confirmational type experiences that happened during a trip. I want to tell you a, a cool story that, yeah. that happened, which is the, I was a guy, I guided maybe 200 people having an, a ketamine experience when I was first checking out ketamine. And I wanted to see different people with different diagnosis and different, you know, levels of medicine and everything. And so I, I would sit with them and I would just meditate in the room for 45 minutes while they were going through the treatment. And this woman came from California and she said, do you mind meditating? 
and just staying while I do it. I said, no, no problem. So I, I sat down and at the end of the treatment, my stomach started to rumble and I started thinking about dinner and I was like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to go out with my daughters and I'm not going to get the French fries. I'm going to get the baked potato. I'm going to be conservative tonight or I'm thinking this stuff through. And she comes out of her treatment and she wakes up, takes off her eye sheet. She's like, oh, I was happy. That was the most incredible experience. She's like, I was going from from dimension to another dimension to another dimension. She's like, all of a sudden, this giant French fry showed up. <laughs> oh, man. She's like, what do you think that means? And I was like, oh, my God. Like, you really have to be careful what you're thinking about because people are picking this up. And it was such a like an experience, but you could only have that in one of these types of experiences. And I had, I recorded somebody tell me another one, a doctor from Harvard. He has done now our Keta MD at home treatments where you take the lozenge and you do the treatment at home. Yeah. And he'd never done any psychedelics before. He was raised Muslim and he left the religion and said, I don't need this. I can be, you know, a conscious human being without the religion. He went and did his thing. He's now, I'd say, 55-year-old doctor and very renowned. And so he said, I want to have this psychedelic experience. We gave it to him. He said, I think I'm ready to go to the next level. We gave him a higher dose. And he said, in that higher dose, he said, he was in there. And then he, he said he was had a God-conscious moment. And he said, I know this is real, but when I come out of this, I'm just going to think it's the trip. So I need some evidence. And... It tried to, tr you know, trick him a little bit. And he was like, no, I need, I need evidence. And it tricked him. And he said, I demand evidence. And he floated up over his house, which he said, he's got a slate roof. He said, birds don't even sit up there. I've never been up there in my life. He said, I floated over my roof and I saw there was a crack in one of the tiles. And he goes, that's interesting. And next day he goes to Best Buy, buys a drone, has his son set it up, flies it up on the roof. And the tile was cracked. Wow. And he's like, he called his family and he was like, I'm back in. He goes, I believe in God. He goes, I'm not in the religion, but yeah. like, I'm back. I had the experience. And wow. So how like, there, there's no other way to have those types of experiences firsthand directly. And I think you get jaded if you don't have that shocking moment like that. I so. think that's the issue that we find with faith is the... I mean, there's so much proof, right? Like how we talked about your breath. There's your proof. Okay, we're done. <laughs> you know, conversation over. There's a God, okay? <laughs> but we still, as humans, I think our curiosity and our biases and the fact that we have this ego uh, personality living in us that wants to run the show and, you know, thinks it can manage life and has all these preconceived ideas that it clings to. But some of us need those, you know? I mean, when you look at, you know, films where there's a say, you know, a, a priest or a rabbi that's going through a challenge in their faith, right? They're doubting mm -hmm. their faith and they're going, God, just show me a sign. And then, you know, the lightning right. hits and, and then they're a believer. I think fundamentally humans, we just do need some anchor that helps us to see unequivocally that there's something greater yes. there. I got a good one for you. Yeah. We, actually, maybe we'll do some trip reports. <laughs> nice. I got a good one. Actually, there's a couple, but this one was really interesting. The first time I went did ayahuasca. First, there was four. First, three nights, just incredible, endless, endless realizations and deep healing. The fourth night, it was a different medicine from Colombia. Because, you know, each night they kind of served a different brew from a different tradition. And I had what is called a nada, like nothing happened. I just felt sick. I laid there. 
it was really challenging because I had to just deal with the physical discomfort without actually being taken on a ride. But at some point, I kind of dozed off for a minute and had kind of a daydream. I wasn't really under the medicine, no visuals or anything like that. But I had this brief vision wherein I was approaching a hospital and I opened the door and I went down a hall and opened another door and there was my mom giving birth to me. And I come out, you know, a little, little infant and she like put me on her chest and she was crying and she was so ecstatic. And then the nurses in the white smocks came and just grabbed me away from my mom and took me down the hall and just put me in a room by myself. And it was this kind of like, oh, that, was, that didn't feel good, but I didn't really know what to make of it. And I was like, that was weird. Because again, I wasn't in a, like a medicine experience, so I thought. Mm-hmm. So the next day I text my mom. I said, hey, I'm in Costa Rica doing ayahuasca. She probably doesn't even know what it is, but right. I'm like, here it is. And I said, then I had this vision. I explained that to her. And she said, that's a, and there were more details to it mm-hmm. too, in terms of who was wearing what and if I was in a blanket and stuff. And then she said, that's exactly what happened when you were born. Because I don't know, I was late or premature or something and her water hadn't broken. And so there's a risk of infection. So they had to put me in another room for a couple of days by myself uh, without human contact in an incubator. So the only thing that was wrong was either like they wrapped me in a blanket or they didn't. I think that's mm. what it was. She said, no, they, they wrapped you in a little thing and then I held you because I was just on her chest. I right. mean, that's how detailed it was. And I was like, what the, <laughs> you know, like, how is that possible? Yeah. Like right? how do, I, there's no way I could know that. And not only was it just like an interesting parlor trick of consciousness, but what unfolded in subsequent journeys was that there was a sense of existential separation and loneliness and abandonment that started like from day one. Wow! And so that led me to be able to see and heal my inability to be vulnerable and truly intimate with other people because there's always kind of this fear of abandonment. And I never, if you ask me, oh, do you have fears of abandonment? I'm like, what? Now my parents were around. Right. That's those other people, you know? But it really was. It was a core wound from day one. Totally crazy. Wow. Even, and even without like a really psychoactive experience, it's just the medicine or spirit or whatever went plank, check this out. Gave you what you needed. And it was such a huge realization because it gave me something concrete to work with. That's amazing. And I could see all these developmental patterns that carried on throughout my life that were interfering in my ability to have truly deep, intimate, close relationships with mm. people. There was like this barrier of separation that I always felt before. Wow. Insane. That one experience, you know, it's like, you know, in the Lamar Odom Reborn movie, he had this experience where his mother passed away at 12 years old of cancer. And then he had a son, six months old, who passed away, like infant crib death. And he was like, never had even processed that trauma. He just kept on going and going and going. And he said that in his Ibogaine experience, he got to hear his mother's voice for the first time in like 30 years. And he was like, oh my God, just hearing her voice was life-changing. And then he saw his son at uh, the age that he died. And then he saw him grow to be like eight or nine years old. And he grew to see him to be a teenager as he would be today. And he's like, I got to spend time with my kid. Like, he's like, like that, that's it. Like who yeah, that could change your whole wow. life, you know? And wow. who hasn't had somebody who passed away yeah. to be able to reconnect in a deeper way with that is like, I don't know. I think this, I mean, thank God for this event and culture, almost like the pandemic put this spotlight on mental health to the point yeah, where for real. everybody's like, okay, what are we doing? That's different now. Yeah. And so, 
We're going to take a quick break to share with you one of the most unique and effective products in my health arsenal. It's also one that I've been using for a very long time, over the past decade at least. It's called Oceans Alive from Activation Products. It's a premium brand of two specially cultivated, hand-selected marine phytoplankton strains grown in a photobioreactor. The nutrient density of this microalgae is insane. It's loaded with a wide array of vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, and amino acids. Oceans Alive is the purest, most potent marine phytoplankton supplement in the world. It's fresh, totally raw, and pure. They use a scientifically proven natural method of stabilization that doesn't require any heat, cold, freeze-drying, or any processing at all. My experience with Oceans Alive is a very noticeable feeling of untapped energy and focus. It's naturally packed with nutrients that boost your health in a multitude of ways. Its natural antioxidant content reduces oxidative stress, which is why this is my number one air travel companion. It also promotes healthy cellular growth and development and also boosts cognitive function. Activation Products has been one of my go-to companies for a very long time. They have a no BS approach and are all about giving people definitive information, the best quality raw material, then letting you decide for yourself. They just provide you with the knowledge and the most innovative products so you can take the lead in creating your own life equity and longevity. You can swoop up some of this Oceans Alive over at activationproducts.com and use the code LUKE15 for 15% off any product. That's activationproducts.com and the code LUKE is a one-time use, so use it wisely. Well, I think that's another interesting piece with this type of work is that it's not only that you're able to get a new lens on some of these experiences that shape your life and often negatively, but in my experience, it's it's like the seeing it and experiencing it again, as terrifying and painful as that might be, also heals it. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's how it's been. You know, I, I mean, I've gone into some dark, dark crevices of trauma and just, oh my God, just to the core of the core of the core of the wound. You know, the little boy, little Luke, hurt, abandoned, abused. I mean, just the gnarly shit that I spent my whole life running from. And in medicine, it's always like, there's a question that will come. It'll be like, Luke, do you want to lean into this? And I'm like, oh, not really. <laughs> Put on my mask or, you know, whatever the situation calls for. And I, I'll take a break sometimes. I go, okay, let's go. We're going in. And we go into that, the deep shit, you know? Yeah. And it's, I wouldn't say it's painful, but oftentimes those feelings are re-experienced. But it's just seeing like what really happened. And then the threads of how it got built into the fabric of my life experience and who I am then come out and it's like, it's gone. Right. And I can actually talk about some of those things and there, there's no emotional An tether. electrical connection. Yeah, yes. there's no spark. There's no tether to them. It's as, as if they had happened to someone else almost. Yeah, no, I love you know? that. And I think the ketamine's amazing at this. You know, they say that the ketamine, the new science, this was in Nature magazine. They say you have this default mode network in your brain and there's this mechanism in there called your lateral habenula, which is recording all the stress you've ever had in your whole life. When it becomes too much, there's a tipping point and your brain goes into burst mode. And burst mode, it shuts off all your dopamine production. 
So that's your happiness, your motivation. And the first time you do medical ketamine, it takes the brain out of burst mode. You immediately start getting the dopamine back. So we have people call us at KetMD the next day, the husband or the wife, and they're like, oh my God, he just cleaned the garage. He said he was going to do that for five years. You know, like whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And it's just like they got their dopamine back. And there's a lot of people walking around going, I have, you know, I don't care about anything. It's like, dude, I think you're in burst mode, you know? (laughs) I like that term, burst mode. I I relate to that. Yeah. And so that thing can be affected. And what, you know, the science on the ketamine beyond that is every time you do it, when it metabolizes, it turns into this hydroxynorketamine and it grows new neural pathways in your brain. I've heard that. That's legit. Yeah, that's legit. And it explains like why you could have these hereditary patterns running, like I'm a failure, nobody loves me, like you're just patterning. And those patterns might be yours or they might be your ancestors and your DNA, fear patterns. And then you do the ketamine, it's building these new ones. It's like from the present moment into the future, these patterns are being grown and now the electrical charge isn't on that thing. And so I had this where I was you know, working with ketamine. And then I, I started to think about this thing that happened to me in business where I had this like chip on my shoulder because I missed this deal and I should have had another $50 million. And I was like all pissed off over it. And I did the ketamine. I kind of consciously said, I want to, I want to like look at that situation. I, as I looked at it, I was like, well, if that had happened, I wouldn't have made the reality of truth film. I wouldn't have explored. I wouldn't have not like, oh my God, I'm so glad that that happened. But then when I came out of it, I, it was like it happened, but it wasn't me. And I had that, like, like the charge wasn't on. Like right now, as I talk about it, it's not triggering. It's just a thing, you know, and mm-hmm. it's not, the charge isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like what you're talking about is like you, once you see it even slightly differently, the charge is gone. And, yeah. and then, you know, the science says that how that's happening is like, you know, neurogenesis of yeah. new patterns. Wow, that's wild. I've heard that about ketamine. Ket- I want to get into ketamine more because it's such a weird, it's just such a strange substance. Yeah. Out of all the things that can change your consciousness, it's to me the most bizarre. But I want to touch back on something you said earlier when you posed the question, you know, why, why is there existence of evil, right? And this is a, a huge block for people that can't believe in God because if it's this benevolent, loving, omniscient, God figure, then how do we have war and famine and all the things, the rape and abuse and all the treacherous shit humans do to one another and things that the environment just does to us, right? Right. Earthquakes and natural disasters and fires and all volcanoes melting your village. Like, ah, but in the big picture of duality in medicine, specifically 5-MeO-DMT for me, Almost every time, there's just such a profound understanding of the purpose of duality. And that this happened to me, especially in the second journey I had. It was like, that's so hard to put into words because these experiences are sometimes ineffable. I mean, it's just like words are so feeble when you try to attach meaning to something that's so meaningful. But it was like, I was looking at evildoers that I think in the world, like, ah, this, the Hitlers, the, ah, you know, and present day ones too, just for lack of controversy, I won't name them, but people that listen to my podcast know who I think they are at least. 
But it was like seeing that each villain is playing their role perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect villain. Right. Like they're, that sense of balance that you're talking about and that in order for God to manifest and experience itself in the full spectrum, you have to have duality because yes. otherwise there's nothing there. It's just the allness, if yeah. that makes sense. So that is like in 5-MeO, it's like different than in ketamine where I've hit the void where there's just, it's just emptiness and there's nothing, which is, you know, there's some real, there's some grist in there to work with too, but past the void, there's the everythingness. And when I've experienced that moment or moments of everythingness, there's no you to experience it. Right. Right. Because there's no perspective of even a witness observer there, like when one meditates or even in some other medicines. In ayahuasca, I'm still there. Luke's in there. Right. Maybe it's my higher self and there's less mind and ego, but there's still a me kind of working my way through things. And 5MEO, it's just, you're just allness. And that's where I really saw that this duality is like the greatest gift. Right. You know, and, and it gives us the opportunity to have contrast yes. and choices for our own soul's evolution. Yeah. Because if it was just all love and light and unicorns and rainbows, there'd be no reason to incarnate and like work your way through this stuff and and keep elevating your soul. That's so well said. I mean, I think it's like we have this program, like we're we're a scanning mechanism, our humans who are scanning for danger and everything. And that's all we're doing. It's like this filter of being a human. And when you, in 5-MeO or in ketamine, it's like when you step out of your human filter, all of a sudden you're like, oh, Maybe, you know, it doesn't matter. Like maybe, um, you know, there is a God, but God just like released this beautiful balanced thing into perpetuity in a Fibonacci sequence. Da, da, da. It's not like going, oh, Zappy wants the, the Patriots to win. Now let me change the game. It's like, no, yeah, this is like, yeah. this is like you build it like an ant farm, you know, and you're a kid and you bake the ant farm and then you watch it and then you grow and they lay eggs and you're like looking at it like just, wow. And I almost feel like this thing was set into motion and now we have like manifested ourselves into this physical reality because we want to experience love and hate and chocolate and all these things. And it's beautiful. Like for some reason we manifest it, but we're in this, we have this human filter all the time doing its thing. And so if you can transcend the human filter, I almost think that that's like the point of the whole game that we're in exactly yeah because we're also meaning making machines right and we're also because of that that human filter and wanting to find our proprioception in space and time and with other people and fulfilling the needs of the body it's like we're wired to judge every single thing that we experience as safe not safe safe not safe mm-hmm. i get that don't want that want this want that attraction aversion i mean it's just like just constantly avoiding or going toward, avoiding going toward. It's right, like, right. you know, it's crazy. It's crazy, but it's also like beautiful and it's how we're designed, you yeah. know? But like you said, in those experiences, when, when the opinionated one is absent, even for a short period, when the opinionated one, being the observer that we are, comes back in, there's less like uh, attachment yeah. to the whole game. I think that's what's been amazing for me in the past two years of this craziness in the world. I mean, not to say that it hasn't bothered me and I'm sure my stress levels are higher to a degree, but kind of not, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of just living my life and wish everyone the best and I'm not taking it all too seriously because there have been moments where I see this is a fucking game. Yeah. This is a soul school 
and this is the game, and the game is ascension. And this, the game is a, a surrendering our opinions and judgments and attachments mm-hmm. and merging with love. Yes. If I'm going toward love, I'm winning. If I'm not, I'm stuck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you like, know, I, like, I, I'm almost feeling like for me, I used to think, well, love is everything, you know, like you got it. And I'm like, well, maybe not. Like, you know, I'm sure Hitler loved his dog and I'm sure he loved his mother. Whatever. So that's not it. I probably loved his bloodline. Yeah. Really? You yeah. know, I mean. So I don't, I feel like beyond love is gratitude. And if you can get yourself in a state of gratitude every day or in a moment and be like, what am I grateful about? And you start to count up what you're grateful about. All that changes everything right there. If I had just been going, oh, I love everybody. I'm like, no, maybe I don't, you know, in that moment. But gratitude, I start to do the, you know, book check on what my what I'm grateful for. All of a sudden, like I open up like this little bit of space for real miracles to happen. And I just think, you know, right now we have all so much technology and information coming at us. It's really intense. I don't even think our brains are ready to handle this. And so ketamine to me for example feels like it's here to like kind of do a quantum leap of our processing power to be able to handle and mute out things that we're not we can't handle and it feels like maybe we're our brains are caught right now in this point where they they're not since we're using a limited amount of them you know they can't handle this and we have to readapt and evolve our brain much quicker we can't take a million years right now we need to do it now right ketamine and quantum leap yeah now it's time to turn you on to one of my favorite deliciously calming nighttime elixirs it's called organifi gold if you've ever had a golden latte you know what i'm talking about but you probably spent ten dollars on it if you had one Well, now you can make one at home in about five seconds. And even though it tastes like a dessert drink, this is low sugar and totally guilt-free. My recipe for Organifi Gold is usually some hot spring water, a little grass-fed butter or ghee, or maybe even coconut oil and a giant scoop of gold powder. Then I toss that in the blender and I'm good to go for a super chilled out night and great sleep. The gold mix is loaded with organic, non-GMO superfoods and herbs like turmeric, ginger, reishi mushroom, lemon balm, and turkey tail mushroom. The only real issue I've had with the Organifi Gold is that I go through it so quickly that I can hardly keep my supply intact. So if anyone Organifi is listening, hook a brother up. But seriously, this stuff really does taste amazing and also satisfies my late night sweet tooth while chilling me out after a long day of podcasting. So to get your claws into some of this Organifi Gold, just visit Organifi.com slash Lifestylist. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi with an I, Organifi.com slash Lifestylist. And if you use the code Lifestylist, they're going to hook you up with 20% off. They have an incredible suite of products there, so make sure to cruise the site a bit and use that 20% off Lifestylist code at checkout. What's your take on the debates in these circles on the only valid molecules are ones that a plant synthesizes versus a scientist in a lab. To me, these things are all energy. You know what I mean? And I was lucky enough when I was young to have this psychedelic experience, which was the one that changed my life where I saw all the, all the atoms in my hand and they were like vibrating at a frequency. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my God. And then I looked at my friend and he was the same atoms, but he was just vibrating at a slightly different frequency than me. I looked at the table, different frequency. I was like, oh my God, everything's just energy. 
And so then when I think about ayahuasca from a plant or, psil- or you know, ketamine or MDA, it's like they're just energies. And you, you put it inside your energy and you have to synthesize it. So there's no difference between them. They're just different frequency vibrations. And so my kind of what the reason I'm like going for it really hard right now and trying to support ways to go inside yourself is that I am a bit concerned right now because if you listen to futurists like Ray Kurzweil, he's saying that in 2040, we're going to be in singularity where we're connected to the internet with all the information in the cloud and AI running all of these programs to figure out what the best thing to do. He said, when that happens in 2040, which isn't a long time from now, people are going to be 1 billion times more intelligent than they are right now. So that means that a high school kid who gets pissed off is going to be able to blow up the world to create some (laughs) sonic boom to ruin. So we're going to have every single person is going to have the ability to destroy everything. So we have to right now raise consciousness so that when we have that power, people don't use it incorrectly. And I think the psychedelics, what they're doing is they're allowing you to go beyond your humanness, raise your empathy, and then you're part of that collective that if we get enough people raised we could solve any problem we have as humans and we can also avoid what's absolutely coming in 2040 and so that's why we, we can't wait for 2040 yeah. to get this out we got to do it now the high tide raises all the ships yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah yeah i agree wow that's a that's a terrifying thought i mean i'm a naturalist you know i'm like i'd run around naked and barefoot every day if i could not get arrested <laughs> So the idea of, you know, and I, you know, I use technology and I appreciate it as a tool, but man, like the further we drift from nature to me, the further we get away from, you know, we are, we are nature. we got this fake plant here, you know, mm-hmm. I had that in a psilocybin journey. I was out in a Creek. I was like on my hands and knees eating watercress and mint out of this Creek. And my friends are like, what are you doing? Luke? You okay? I said, yeah, man, uh, it's all salad. <laughs> you know? I, was, I was in there eating this salad out of the Creek with dirt on it and everything. And I was like, man, God, it feels so good to be in nature. And then the voice said, Luke, you're not in nature. You are nature. Boom. Totally different experience from that moment on. It's like, oh, I'm going to go out and recreate in the park. It's like, no, I am the park. Right. You know? That's it. Just a completely different kind of interaction there, you know? Rather than like, oh, I'm an outsider here. I'm playing with this world we call nature. No, I'm actually in it. But anyway, back to back to the ketamine. You know, as I said, this stuff to me is so strange because it's widely known to help people overcome addictions. Yep. It's being used in, you know, in that context in many ways. Yet at the same time, out of all of these substances, entheogens, psychedelics, whatever we call them, it seems to be, as far as I know, the only one that has some risk or maybe a lot of risk for abuse. I was talking to someone the other day in Austin and I was telling him, yeah, you know, I have ketamine. I take a tiny dose every once in a while and I'll listen to Alan Watts and just kind of fade off to sleep. Not a big deal, not too deep, but just if I can't sleep or something like that, you know, just not even recreationally, but medicinally, but in very small doses. And I said, but I just forget about it. It's in my drawer. I've had the same little box of lozenges for, I think, over maybe a year and a half. Right. And there's only eight of them in there. I'm not even done with them, you know? Right. And some people would take a whole one, right. like 300 milligrams. Just, yeah, a lot of people around Austin 
have these, you know, the nasal sprays mm-hmm. and they take it out to parties and dinner and club and they're hitting ketamine all the time. And I'm like, ew, yeah. gross. You know, no, I'm not judging them. I'm just right. like, oh, I would not like that feeling. Right. So I just want to have an eye mask and something thoughtful to listen to and just go within. What's the addiction risk profile with ketamine? I mean, it's a good question. A lot of club kids use it and stuff. Yeah. That's when I first heard about it. It was like a raver drug. And then I did it and I was like, how do you walk on this shit? Right. No, I like I, dance on it. <laughs> Not even happening. People always say, well, ketamine, that's like made in a lab. And I'm like, no, actually that's some salts and some minerals that they put together and they process in this new ketamine crystal comes out. It's like, it seems as natural as more, you know, that, you know, so it's, it is natural in that it is an element that we're taking from the earth and a frequency vibration that we're taking. But the problem with the ketamine is when you use it nasally, it hits opiate receptors in the brain that go through the nose. Really? Yeah. That's why when you take the laws injury, you do the IV, there's no risk of abuse. I've had a doctor, Dr. Brooks in New York, he's done over 60,000 infusions. He's like, no one's ever come in here for depression done the treatment and become addicted. No. Wow. He's like, but if somebody's abusing drugs and you give them a bottle of ketamine, they're going to use the whole thing. But, you know, I think like we're getting like where the science now is starting to be a really cool part of psychedelics. I'm involved with a company called Psychoceutical right now. It's like the best of psychedelics and the best of pharmaceuticals. And what we have is patented delivery systems that allow you to deliver something so it doesn't go into the bloodstream where all the systemic effects happen, like nausea and even the hallucinations, most of that stuff is systemic, you know, side effects. So if you can deliver this where it goes directly into the nerve tissue in the brain or directly through the blood-brain barrier, you don't have the chance for abuse, really, and you're just getting the benefit. So what, what is cool is that as we make these compounds safer and more effective, so you take less, but you get more benefit, this is just going to become normalized. It's going to be like, you know, fluoride in the water. It's like, who said that was good? You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's not. You know, we know now yeah. that it, crystal, it like, crystal, it like uh, calcifies your pineal gland. Yeah. And I found with the ketamine, the frequency of the ketamine, it's such a high vibration that it's almost like it's shaking out the calcification off of those crystals in your pineal gland. And you come out and you're just like, wow, like I'm refreshed. And I just think, you know, that is the thing that we have to break through, which is stigma, where usually I say ketamine and people go, isn't that a horse tranquilizer? I'm like, yeah, you can tranquilize an animal. It's also the number one anesthetic used by oral surgeons on children because it's so safe doesn't affect your breathing, wears off quickly. So, you know, if you want to say that a knife is like a murdering device, then yeah, you can say that, but it's not like what it's about. So we just have to like recast these things, including, you know, LSD. Everybody's like, I wouldn't do that. That's chemicals. I'm like, no, actually that's, you know, a bacteria that grows on a rye seed that we've just synthesized. It's not chemicals. We just have to like, there's no information really. And I think, you know, in 1971, when they did the, they made all psychedelics basically illegal, they said, we have to study this for safety. You know, everybody can conclude it was like Vietnam War. They wanted people to just do what they were telling them and psychedelics were going to run against that. But they said, we don't know if it's safe. We're going to have to study it. Well, now we're 50 years later. Millions of people have done it, many with great effects. So it's like, 
we as humans now have to step up and say, wait a minute, like we're in a mental health crisis right now. Suicide, addiction, depression, we're coming out of a pandemic with PTSD. Like, let's rethink if we have some tools that could help with mental health, grow neural pathways, let's reset the language, the knowledge. And I think it's not even that there's a conspiracy where the government knows this and they're suppressing it. It's more like they don't know. The medical system doesn't know. They don't even know about, doctors don't even know about like proper eating, you know, nutrition. Like why would they know about this, you know? If you've ever seen the food in a hospital, yeah. you can really see how far off the mark we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like a gray yeah, hamburger. Every time, I, I mean, it's not often, but every once in a while I have to visit someone in a hospital and it's like, it's like blue light everywhere, EMFs off the charts, like Franken food being served. I'm like, this is why we need hospitals right. is because of all this shit, you know? Yeah. There's a hot spring. I'm a hot spring aficionado mm. fanatic. There's, there's only one known one in Texas or something. There's not many. I was sad to move there. But anyway, I found one. It's, they're kind of trying to get it open. It's not open to the public. And the history of this place is that it was a children's hospital that treated polio. And how they treated the kids, I mean, they might have done some other things, but essentially was soaking in these sacred springs and getting them out in the sun all day. You know I mean? That's like that some is. hospitals used to be like that. Like, right. oh, what you're suffering from is essentially, in many cases, a nature deficiency. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at most illnesses, right? It's yes. You've just swayed the pendulum too far into domestication and you forgot that you're an animal as part of nature, you right. know, as I was saying before. So I think that, that medicine needs this upheaval at the moment, especially as it pertains to mental health. Yeah. Because, no. you know, the other thing is, too, when you're, you know, when you heal trauma and PTSD and you're not depressed and anxious, it's much easier to make better life decisions, right? Your relationships mm -hmm. become more fulfilling and less destructive. You respect and honor your body more. You want to eat healthier food, move your body. I mean, everything you do is sort of a byproduct of how you feel emotionally mm -hmm. and mentally. Yeah, And many people, especially kind of in, in my scene, in the biohacking scene, people think you can like biohack yourself into enlightenment, but it's really the other way around. Right. Like the more spiritually grounded, centered, awake you become, the better choices you make yeah. for yourself and for everyone. That's why the gratitude thing to me is kind of like people are like, well, how do I do it? I go like, just get grateful. Just start thinking to yourself what you're grateful about. If somebody's like in a bad situation, just say, okay, well, tell me what you're grateful for. They start going and you're like, well, what about your kids? What about your health? What about your, you know, this and that? And they're like, yeah, that's good. And then something just shifts, like their energy frequency just shifts. And I have to do it to myself. You have to constantly hack yourself because this intense stuff is happening, you know? And so if we can just kind of get back, I think to that, like you're saying, hot springs, sun, plant medicine. This is the, how we heal everything. We just have gotten so far from it with nature. And I've, I've got a moniker these days of being like a psychedelic concierge. And what I do is kind of like a concierge at a hotel. I go, okay, you know, you, you see the concierge at the hotel. You're like, where should we go for dinner? He's like, okay, you, you, what kind of food do you like? You want to be inside or outside? You want music, even wine, you know? And then he goes, oh, I got a great place for you. So when I talk to somebody and they, I go, okay, what's your intent for doing this? And they talk through, I go, what kind of traumas do you have? And they talk about it. And then I have this realization like, oh, okay, this person's disconnected from nature. So they should probably have some San Pedro and instantly connect. Oh, totally. Know? Yeah. Or <laughs> San Pedro and being underwater. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wow. life changing. Just one time for me, just big couple doses of San Pedro. Went in the pool and was just like, 
oh, I have a body. <laughs> it's like, this body feels good in this wet stuff. It's like I'd never seen water yeah. or touched it in my life. It's yeah. like I was an alien from a planet with no water and you just put me in a pool here. It was just like, oh my God. And you know, it's like, well, people could say, so what? Well, it's that gratitude and appreciation. I think hopefully every time I get in water from that day forward, I'll be like, yes, mm-hmm. wow. How amazing that we've been given this substance here so abundant and it's you know where all life springs forth from and sometimes it is just those little hints that we get along the way and they change everything in your gratitude practice i think what strikes me about that because it's something you hear a lot like oh write a gratitude list it's like it it seems kind of um simplistic to -hmm. someone who's like no no yeah, yeah i already do that give me the big thing but i think that is really leaning into changing our perception of our experiences and having the ability to actually control how we perceive and contextualize our experience. And Mm. back to that judgmental mind where thing A happens. And from one perspective, as you said earlier, those opportunities you lost, best thing ever happened to you from perspective B, the most tragic nightmare ever. Mm -hmm. Right. And our whole experience is really dictated by our perception of it. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's just, it's almost so simple that you think, ah, what's that going to do? It's everything. Yeah. And I didn't realize it till I got older, you know, and now I'm in this position where I have kids and stuff like that. And I got older and I was like, I look back at my life and I was like, you know what? The things that I thought were the worst thing ever have turned out to be the best. And the things that I thought were so great, they're not even around anymore. So I was like, I have to reshift. Like I can never go, that's good or that's bad. I have to think like, there's multiple things here, but the universe is conspiring in some kind of a way to make this into what I need it to be. And I just think that's like so amazing. It's like, never say, oh, that's bad. Because from, like you said, one frame of reference, it's horrible. And another, it's the best thing ever. But until time plays out, you can't see that pattern. Yeah. And and then the psychedelics, you know, reconnect you or show you that instantaneous because you don't have all that time you shouldn't wait 50 years to realize that, you know, maybe what you perceive right, right. isn't what it is. You're 70 years old and you're like, oh, I guess I should forgive my brother who stole my wife when we were 20 now. You know right. what I mean? It's like, I think part of the game that's fun for me is in the midst of an experience that's not pleasing and uncomfortable. And I'm tempted to view it as like, oh, things aren't going my way or this shit sucks is like, how fast can I recontextualize it in the moment rather than mm-hmm. having to wait till even next week? Like, oh, okay, I see why I missed the flight. Right. If I had missed the flight, da, 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 da. It's like, what if just right now we could do that? Mm-hmm. The building catches on fire and you, you go to safety and, oh, this is the worst thing that ever happened. What if right now we could just go, oh, no, let's just see. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah, let's see. Let's stay open, right? Yeah. I have this thing where like, you know, in Florida, where I'm living now in Miami, there's all these trains that go by and you get stuck at these trains and people, you see people in their car, they're all pissed off and everything. And I, a long time ago, I was like, I love the Grateful Dead music. And I'm like, okay, anytime a train comes, I'm going to turn on the Grateful Dead. If I have a joint, I'm going to smoke. And I'm just going to be like, (laughs) yes, this is like great time. Like I'm getting this moment, you know? And so just like those types of things where you connect that this thing that every is aggravating everybody else. You're in total nirvana. You're just like, yes, the train, you know? The people next to you are like, who's that freak with the blunt? Right.
I don't need to tell you that 2021 was an insane year. We are living in the most stressful period in my lifetime. And even with regular meditation and other self-care routines, it's more and more difficult to remain chill and resilient in today's world. This is why I'm so big on taking magnesium breakthrough. It's incredibly effective not only for stress, but especially sleep. This is because it's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium all in one product. So if you've tried other magnesium supplements and didn't feel any different, it's probably because they're synthetic and only contain one or two forms of magnesium. But when you get all seven critical forms of mag, pretty much every function of your body gets upgraded. That's pain, inflammation, and of course, sleep and stress. If you want to improve your sleep and resiliency to stress in 2022, you definitely have to check out Magnesium Breakthrough. Best of all, they've set up an exclusive offer for Lifestylist listeners. Just go to magbreakthrough.com Luke and use the code Luke10 to save 10%. That's magbreakthrough.com Luke and the code is Luke10. Or you can just click on the link provided on most podcast app show notes. I've been doing this too in, in Texas. I, I live kind of in the suburbs outside of Austin. And weirdly enough, they like defunded the police in downtown where you actually need them when there's crime. <laughs> there's plenty of police where I live. There's speed traps everywhere. And I'm not used to that. In LA, I mean, you can drive down the road like shooting guns out of your car. You'd never get pulled over. So I was like, God, this place sucks. It's so annoying. And then I started doing that. I was, so now I have to use cruise control in all these different areas where I drive. I had to stay at the limit because even 10 over, they'll pull you over. And, and I was really fighting with it and then realized I was fighting with it. And I thought, you know what? What if I just like use that cruise control moment when I see the sign and I'm like cruise control to just not only slow the car down, but just slow everything down. Mm. So I'm turned it into kind of a meditative process where I just, I just slow, slow it all down Yeah, you know? <laughs> because it's like, I can't change the outward reality, but I can change my opinion of it. It's like Shakespeare said, one of my favorite quotes, there's no such thing as good or bad. Only thinking makes it so. Like your whole yeah. life is literally created right here. Yeah. It's, in, it's insane. Yeah. So. And, and these days, you know, if you look at like your brain on psilocybin under an MRI, you can see that there's activity in the pineal gland there, extra activity. You look at LSD, there's a bunch of activity. You look at ketamine under there. I have this photo. It's like 80% of your brain is active. Really? Yeah. And it's basically like your left and your right brain dissociate. And they're able to communicate freely without your ego getting involved. And so when you just like lean into that in those experiences and you're like, okay, I'm going to let my brain operate however it wants. I'm not going to control it. I can't control it. You have some of the most powerful experiences and visions and things like that. And I just think like, you know, we're always, we have these movies like the limitless movie where I want to use 80% of my brain. It's like, dude, we have it. It's called ketamine. It's lighting up 80% of your brain. Now let's use this. Let's study it and let's use this in a way that it can really help. And one of the things that I think is amazing is like ketamine is a, it breaks uh, suicidal ideation. And the way it does that is that when you go into it, usually when you're suicidal, you think I either keep doing what I'm doing or I kill myself. Those are my only two choices. And you go sit in the ketamine and all of a sudden these 10 other choices open up. And you're just like, oh, I like doing that, which could lead to that. Which but People come out, they're like, I'm not going to kill myself. Like, this is so interesting. And But how could you ever have 10 more option sets open to you when you're in this physical 
reality. Right. Wow, that's really interesting. What about the the delivery methods you were talking about? You know, I've noticed with ketamine in particular, I've not done it with uh, a therapist in an IV or anything. I've done sprays or lozenges. Just really, it's, actually, it's the only thing I've ever done by myself. I always advise like, don't trip on your own. <laughs> but because of the short duration and you know, an ability to kind of, you know, maybe take a little and then go, ah, I'm not really feeling it, take a little more. But I have had a couple experiences where I definitely took more than I would have liked to. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, one time in particular, wasn't a very comfortable experience. And partly because I was alone. Yeah. Had there been a therapist there, I could have been like, hey, am I cool? And they're, yeah, you're fine. You're on ketamine. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I was by myself and I went into like the deep, deep void. I mean, just empty gray, just gray, nothing. And it was like, it's hard to describe, of course, but I think it was just, it was non-existence, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like facing, you don't exist. There's no house anymore. There's no Los Angeles. There's no wife. It's just, it's all gone you're gone. This is called emptiness. Welcome. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was fucking uncomfortable. And if I could do it again, I mean, I still derived benefit from that experience, but if I could do it again, I, I, I would have liked to have been able to titrate the dose a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what happened was I'd been doing sprays that were 150 milligrams per spray. Yeah. And then someone gave me a lozenge that was 300 milligrams. So I thought, well, 150, 150, 300, did the math, took that. And it was like, came on super fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was just, it was too much. Yeah. It was not fun. This is, uh, like, you know? To your point, this is what we need. This is why I'm so excited about this psychoceutical company. Because yeah. like, we need, you can't just say to somebody, yeah, take these mushrooms. I don't know, a cap and a stem or something. It's like, no, we need to make these things more bioavailability and more uni- you know, you know, unified. We mm. need, if you take this, we want you to get take less of the medicine, but get more bioavailability. And that's what's so amazing about like this technology is like you can layer these particles in there. So you could get, you know, hundred milligrams of ketamine, then 20 minutes later, another hundred milligrams, another 20 minutes and stack this stuff, even microdose it throughout the day. And just, you know, it's what's, I think it's really what psychedelics need because to say to a doctor, well, yeah, I just take a cap and a stem. They're going to go, no way. You know, how do you know that? And your metabolism different. We yeah. need these psychoceuticals to be like, hey, you're going to take this many milligrams. Five minutes in, this is what's going to happen. You're going to, we're going to release some CBG an hour later for, you know, you to benefit from it, you know, take away inflammation, any of that kind of stuff. And it's like, we need modern science to come into psychedelics right now. And that's, you know, being here at Medelic, it's like so exciting to feel like these businesses and these scientists and these genius people who have the experience with psychedelics because the rest of mainstream society don't even have these experiences to bring, bring any weight on this thing. So we need the science. And what I love kind of about the psychoceutical is other people are out there kind of like trying to patent you know, frivolous stuff like what color eye shade should you wear during a psychedelic experience or, <laughs> you know, a psilocybin mushrooms for weight loss. And and I hope it works, but who knows, yeah. you know, yeah. with psychoceutical, we're taking things that work in regular pharmaceutical, we're bringing them over to psychedelics. So we already know they work. And the idea is that if you can make it safe, we have one of the patents, we deliver the medicine directly at the base of the hairline right here. And it goes into the nerve tissue. It doesn't go into your stomach and your liver and cause all kinds of side effects. It goes directly into the nerve tissue. We can take out the psychedelic effect that way. The nausea, the dizziness, and people can literally like be walking around microdosing wow. 
or having or taking a psychedelic at the back of the neck like there and not have the psychedelic experience. So elderly, adolescents, people who are scared can now access psychedelics wow. in a safe and effective way and get all Damn. the benefit but without any negative side That's effects. badass. Yeah. And how far along is that process? When When's that going to be you know, commercially available or prescription or however that's going to work? So the good news is it's already basically available because as the patents exist now and it worked, what happened was it worked in regular medicine, but they were only using it with like cancer drugs that were very expensive because of this technique. But the psychoceutical patents basically you know, democratized it where we can make billions of particles, all the same size, different shapes. You know, they found out in cancer that cancer, if you want to put a medicine in there, they like triangles better than they oh, like, wow. you know, squares or wow. circles. So we can make it any shape or size, deliver it wherever we want, time release it. And it's like, it, it it's great because we don't have to prove it. It already works. And now we're just bringing it over to the psychedelic space. So awesome, man. Such a great time to be yeah. alive. You Thank know, you for in this doing movie. that. So cool. Yeah. And so right now you're shopping your second film with Lamar Odom. Yep. And so this will probably come out maybe late January or February. Do you think that they're by the time that this releases that it could be out or shortly after that? Yeah, I do. And cool. one of the other things that's really cool about these psychoceuticals is you can take different compounds and put them together, which was never possible. You couldn't take like an oil-based and a water-based one and put them together. But now in this psychoceutical format, we could deliver multiple compounds. So there's going to be a lot wow. of synergistic things wow. that take place. And then we can bring those out and say, okay, here, take this drop and it's going to give you an anti-nausea medicine. Five minutes later, we're going to release the ketamine. And then an hour later, we're going to give you some CBG without you doing anything. Wow. And I think wow. I'm just so excited about like this moment that we're in. And like I said, yeah. I'm a little nervous about 2040 and really trying to raise people's consciousness <laughs> before that. But like, I don't uh, think they're going to do it if it's like, oh, go sit with a shaman. It's like, no, yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Well, okay, go to your doctor and take this psychoceutical. They're like, I can do that. Yeah. So, I mean, think about the risky things people already take blindly from their doctors. You know, there's yeah. a lot of stuff out there right now. It's like, oh, we haven't even tested it. Here, take it. What? Yeah. You know? and, and that's like kind of one of the things that, you know, when you were talking about sobriety, you know, I've gone to some AA meetings and NA meetings with friends to support them. Mm -hmm. And you go and there's people there and like, I'm totally sober. I'm totally sober. And they're drinking like five cups of coffee with sugar. They're you know, hitting their vape all day. They're eating a sub sandwich, taking yeah. Xanax. They're like, I'm totally clean, you know? And I'm like, holy shit. You know, if you took Ibogaine, you wouldn't even have to detox. It would wipe your prefrontal cortex. You wouldn't have any cravings and you'd have a window into sobriety. That's sobriety. If you're thinking about not using all day, having to come to meetings, that's not, you're sober, but it's like, why live? And I yeah. think, you know, if we can bring these ibogaines and things like this and bring them out in a safe and effective way, people are wide open to it. It's just the technology has to now be implemented in this Absolutely. This well, man, I mean, I... I went through a lot of uh, a lot of difficult times in sobriety for many years because I, I didn't even know that this was a viable alternative. This whole world, I mean, yeah, I over time became more successful in my happiness and all outward expressions of success. But still, you know, there are things I couldn't get over. In the first few years of sobriety, I mean, I was a fucking train wreck. You know, because of what you described, it's like, I'm going to say in my talk tomorrow, if I go to the, with the plan, you know, what, what do you get when you sober up a horse thief? 
you got a sober horse thief, right? You still right. have the underlying emotional and mental disorders and dysfunction and behavior patterns. That doesn't go away just because you stop putting, you know, anesthesia in yourself to become numb and more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, you get sober and it's like, oh shit, now the real work begins. But there's so much, there's so much deep construction that has to be done on one psyche and so much healing just to get to the point of being a functional adult that doesn't, it's not like you're not, you're not doing drugs because you shouldn't. You actually just don't need them. Right. Because you're not traumatized. Yeah. You've treated your PTSD. Like I, if you offered me some heroin right now, I mean, A, I wouldn't want to do it because I've committed to not doing it in this lifetime, but I don't feel the need to like sit here and nod out and drool on myself. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. in pain. I'm happy. Right. Like I'm living a fucking great life. Yeah. Heroin's like, oh, I don't need that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and do. that's because of the psychedelics and, you know, 22 years of really hard work on myself prior to that to just heal. Yeah. You know, just get my mind right and the way I think and feel and. Well, what's cool is, you know, when I spent time with Lamar and I realized how much trauma he had and I gave him the ketamine, he had a good experience. I was like, you know what I was like thinking about? It? I was like, Lamar, I was like, you're an African-American guy. There's this African root that can break an addiction. I was like, maybe you're supposed to be having this, you know, right, and you've just been like right. cut off from it culturally. Like, who's to say? Yeah. So maybe, you know, it's going to resonate with you. And I just think like we have to rethink and re, you know, kind of calibrate everybody. Like, what is drugs? What is mental health? What is sobriety? And it's like, if we have these tools, you know, if you're a religious person and you're like, God knows everything, create everything. Well, God put these things that are growing out of the ground here to help us tap into spirituality. Like, why aren't we taking those? If God's all knowing, <laughs> totally. he would have done that, you totally. know? Yeah. Oh, the mushrooms are just an accident. Yeah. You know, oops, spilled some molecules over mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. So true, man. So like, true. I feel like people are going to get to heaven and God, he or she is going to show up and it's going to be like, they're going to be like, what the hell? Like, I put all this stuff there to help you out and you just like didn't pay attention to it. Like, wow. Like, <laughs> that you're, you're, not going back for a while. Yeah, you yeah. Work, real work to do. You're not going back <laughs> into funny. the virtual reality suit. You yeah, know? yeah. You're, you're not ready. That's funny, dude. Well, man, thank you so much for your work and courage to explore all this stuff. I know it's a field that is probably not easy because some of these paths are not well-worn. You yeah. know, you're innovating into areas of uh, business, commerce, medicine that not many people are. Yeah. It's exciting, but I'm sure it's it's not the easiest path. No, but it's so rewarding, you know, like when you are with somebody that has a psychedelic experience that's having mental health challenges and then you see them transformed. It's like, how are you going to go back to doing anything else? How are you going to be like, oh, I'm creating an app that does a calendar. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I just cured a guy with like, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. easy to be on the path once you've had that experience and I love what you're doing. You've like got so many people that just kind of resonate with your frequency and you're giving them the confidence a lot of them i feel like to you know take these steps to you know go inside themselves so it's a gift it's the best life ever yeah you know being of service is everything if you can do that well everything else falls into place yeah last question for you who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life and your work that you might share with us that's a good question you know somebody taught me some kabbalah many years ago and they started medit i started doing a meditation with like these kabbalistic learnings and things like that that really just reframed 
what's going on and how to, you know, kind of maybe mm -hmm. how to do alchemy in the present moment. And I, and some of that stuff really helped me. I would have to say, you know, Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead, you know, <laughs> showing me that like, you can just give the music away, you know, and just create an environment. Don't get caught up, just share. And like, if you share, it'll manifest into something much bigger. And I always like, try to put that into my own work and share stuff like that. So I'd say watching these people, it's like, I love watching people and how they act. You know, I, my first job, I'll put this person as a, maybe a third person. I work for this famous philanthropist, Wall Street guy named Mike Milken. And he always used to say, create something of value and wealth is the byproduct. Like, mm. don't go for the wealth. You'll get yeah. messed up, but create something of value. And I just, to watch these people do that, and to see them do it, it's like you 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 realize that you know how why they're living such fulfilled lives is because they're sharing and they're they have a lot of gratitude. And so I think those people have really affected me oh, in my life. I think you're the first person that's named Jerry Garcia, weirdly enough. But I would agree. I would agree. He was kind of the gateway drug for me, the dead for. I mean, I took psychedelics before that, but I think those were probably the only experiences, like in the early '90s, many dead shows. I mean, there was rough edges around those experiences because I wasn't doing it intentionally, but there definitely were moments where I was like, oh, something's happening here. Yeah. You know I mean? Like when the whole crowd's like in the <laughs> yeah. same energy, yeah. time slowed down. Like I had some times where it was like, wow, like it's just now, you know, and that's yeah. hard to capture outside of a psychedelic experience. And I've have captured it in some group settings yeah. like that. Yeah, the collective consciousness and the hive mind of a group of people you know, resonating yeah. in that frequency is powerful. It's yeah. powerful. I mean, there's no, it's no accident that people followed the dead around for however many years they did yeah. all over the world, you know. That was me. Well, dude, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Really awesome. great chat, man. I'll much appreciated you, soon, you taking sure. the time. Yes, you will. All right. All right. All right, you freaks and geeks. That brings episode 393 to a close. Man, what an enjoyable conversation I had with Zappy. I trust that you enjoy it as much as I did. He just brings such uh, a lightness of being and enthusiasm to life. And it was really inspiring for me to sit and have a chat with him and to be able to support the work that he's doing in the world, which I think is incredibly important, especially right now. Now, we talked a bit about his new documentary, Lamar Odom Reborn. We don't have an official release date on that, but there is a landing page for it, and you can find that at lamarodomreborn.com. You can also click the link in your show notes for that. And here's the description of that film, which I personally can't wait to see. I watched the trailer, and I'm like, man, this is going to be good. After losing his infant son and suffering many personal traumas, Lamar fell into patterns of addiction that eventually led to a terrifying overdose. He was comatose for several days, suffering 12 strokes and six heart attacks. When he recovered, his doctors called him a walking miracle, and he realized he needed to take drastic action to reclaim his life. In this intimate portrait, you'll witness Lamar break free from destructive patterns and needless suffering. The film highlights Lamar's journey, guided by psychedelic concierge and film director Zappy Zaplin, uh, with whom you just heard an interview, as he implements therapies such as ketamine, ibogaine, plant medicines, and daily practices. His brave healing journey role models a powerful path of evolution, 
toward a life that is truly worth living. Sounds like an incredible film. And again, you can find that at lamarodomreborn.com. And I'll tell you what, before we close, if you're enjoying these episodes and want to make sure you're not left out of the loop on any upcoming shows, I'd like to invite you to join my weekly newsletter. You can do so by visiting lukestory.com slash newsletter. That's lukestory.com slash newsletter. It's a great way for you and I to stay in touch outside of the confines of the ever-increasing censorship and madness that is social media. So meet me there, and each and every Tuesday, you'll get an email saying, hey, there's a new podcast, here's all the links, all the transcripts and show notes, and it will be a wonderful way for us to spend some time together. So thank you so much for joining me today, and I can't wait to be back next week with Dr. Chris Ryan. 